Hey everybody and welcome back to the Off The Key Podcast and welcome back to Deep Dives where we are introducing the other artists that we will be discussing on the Deep Dives series throughout 2023, Fishman. And joining me will be my two regular co-hosts, Garrett. Good morning. And James. Hello, hello. And today we are starting at the very beginning of the Fishman's career and digging into their debut studio album, Chappie Don't Cry. Now, before we get into that, I do want to kind of reiterate an introduction of Fishman's as a group because we have talked about them before on the podcast. We, we talked about Orange. them. Yes, we, we discussed Orange at length. Which is their fourth studio album? Yes, it is yes. their fourth studio album, the actual smack dab in the middle point of their career. But yes, we are starting from the beginning and we are going all the way through the Fishman's discography, including their live albums and EPs and even some B-sides and rarities, just as we are doing with The Strokes. Now, we will not be re-recording the Orange episode. The Orange episode will be our episode in our Fishman's run. So yeah, when we, you get to that point, go back and watch our previous episode. It'll fit right in. My opinion hasn't really changed on it too much since mm, then. Yeah. Same. I don't know about you guys, but and unless... I, I imagine we'll put it all on a playlist as well. Yeah, unless you guys really want us to like re-review the album as part of the series... I see no reason to do the episode again. Because it was pretty recent. It wasn't all that long ago. Yeah, well, like two or three months ago. Yeah. yeah. Maybe. Well, no, it was like six months ago, actually. But still, mm. to begin, I did want to get into the Fishman's backstory, uh, explain a little bit about the band and why we're talking about them today. So Fishman's are a Minato Tokyo-based dub and dream pop band formed in 1987 by Shinji Sato. Kenichi Motegi, and Kensuke Ojima during their time at Meijin Gakuin University. Despite being known for their psychedelic dub sound and the distinct vocals of the late Shinji Sato, the group remained relatively unknown and underground during their initial career run. They disbanded in 1998 due to the sudden death of Shinji Sato in early 1999 and would later gain a worldwide cult following in the mid to late 2010s, thanks to their acclaim on large internet discussion boards. It's, it's interesting, the development of Fishman's, because during their initial run, they were a very underground band. They weren't hugely popular. I mean, they had some popular singles in Japan. They weren't really known outside of Japan. Um, it wouldn't be until, like, the 2010s when um, a bunch of discussion about the band's final live album, you know, 98, 12, 28, and Long Season throughout various internet discussion boards that they would gain the popularity and the following that they did outside of Japan. And it's kind of music taking a change like back into the dream pop sound that has renewed listeners interest in going back and listening to some of the old school dream pop sound from the late eighties and nineties, especially in Japan when that was so prevalent as it kind of made people like look back and it was just a perfect storm to have them unearthed again. Yeah, and they were also part of a very significant movement in Japan during the 90s called the Shibuya K movement. Now, I wouldn't say all of their old albums follow this style, but it is a style in Japan that was very popular that places emphasis on very, like, elevator music-type melodies, kind of like that grocery store, like, sugary pop music style that you might hear, you know, jingles. Very smooth jazz. Kind smooth of. jazz, that kind of thing, incorporated into a pop sound. That, that had a big influence on them, and I would consider some of their early work, like Neo-Yankees Holiday and Kingmaster George, part of that Shibuya K movement. 
Now, the band, when they were founded, uh, they actually had, this is a bit of a fun tidbit, a fun hidden fact, but uh, there was actually a possible fourth founding member of the group, a bit obscure, known as Hisamatsu, who only played with the band from 1987 to 1988, who then was replaced by longtime, longstanding bass player Yuzuru Kashiwabara in 1988 after leaving the group to study abroad. His only known recorded appearance for the band was on the bass parts for the Blue Summer demo tape that was never finished. Now, I wonder why it was never finished and they just decided to release the album instead of releasing that EP. Well, originally, I think all the songs were written by Sato. They were going to release it under Sato's name before Fishman's. So I think they eventually just abandoned the project because they would later use a lot of the songs on that demo in later albums. Like there are a couple on the album we're talking about today, Chappy Don't Cry, for example. There is, I, I think there's like a bootleg taped of the a lot of the original demo mixes of the Blue Summer Cuts. And uh, I mean, it's mostly just raw versions of songs you've already heard or got thrown away mostly. So, And we'll probably talk about it on the uh, like B-sides, EPs and rarities episode but for now we're just going to focus on the main studio albums so initially the band would work on a demo titled blue summer that we mentioned before under sato's original name that remains incomplete to this day and by 1988 the group regularly performed live in small venues around tokyo during this time this is when the bassist yuzuru kashiwabara would join the group and remain with the band for the rest of their career so by 1990 Keyboardist Hakase Sun also joined the fray as part of their first live performance. Now, he was only a live member for a couple of years, but he would eventually join the band in 91, officially when Virgin Records Japan approached the group with a record deal. They accepted it right away without hesitation and began work on their debut studio album. Now, during that time, they did release Cordray's Mood, which is their very first EP. It's their first official release of sorts. But we will also be talking about that in the EPs besides the Rarities episode. So focusing on Chappie Don't Cry, that is a great EP, though. You guys need to listen to it. Anyway, by March of 1991, Chappie Don't Cry was released to the world, and we got the first real taste of Fishman. Under the album's entry in the CD Extra Dictionary, it's explained that Chappie was a dog of Yuzuru Kashiwabara, the bassist, during this album's recording. Because he was so far away from home while recording the album, its title is meant to say that he is caring for and thinking of his dog while he's away. So wholesome. How wholesome. It's a very cute album cover, too. Yes, very very wholesome album cover. And uh, we haven't really gone over who the band members are, like what did they contribute to the band at the time. So I'm going to go through a list of that real quick. So uh, Shinji Sato was on guitar and vocals. He was their main vocalist, although... There would be occasionally, especially in their early work, vocal appearances from other members like Kensuke Ojima on uh, track four of this album, who wrote it as well. There was also uh, Yuzuru Kashiwabara on the bass, and he would sometimes do the vocals. We also had Kenichiro Motegi, who was the drummer for the entirety of their band's lifespan. We also had Hakusei Sun, who played keyboards. And we had the fifth member, Kensuke Ojima, who was responsible for the sampler some guitars. He also did a little bit of vocals as well. A rare accomplishment to have one drummer through your entire career. Indeed. 
This will be the only record produced by musician Kazufumi Kodama, who had previous notoriety from the founding Japanese dub group Mute Beat, with his pitch for the album simply being, let's make a rock steady album. And to be honest, this record is like the most straightforward rock steady reggae sound you are going to get from the Fishmans. It is the vanilla ice cream of Rocksteady. So you might ask, what is Rocksteady? That's a whole rabbit hole in and of itself, but basically it's a genre from one of the great Jamaican genres. It was in between ska and reggae. Yeah, it was the precursor to reggae and what evolved from ska. So the main distinctive characteristic of Rocksteady is the bass. There's heavy focus and heavy emphasis Mm -hmm. on the bass as being the lead with the guitar having a muting sound uh, mirroring it. It was doing that upstroke. And and the bass and drums are trading off of each other. It's almost like a call and response rhythmically. Another thing to note is that Rocksteady is also generally a slower tempo than ska. Oh yeah, Rocksteady is definitely a slower, more easygoing, very easy to listen to genre of music. Sometimes it's simple almost to a fault. But I think Fishman's does enough here on this album to give it some flavor. You know, I, th- mm-hmm. I think they do enough to differentiate themselves. I still think that it feels to me like the producer wanted them to lean and simplify way more than they may have wanted to. Because, you know, after, after they you know, get rid of him, it's almost immediately they start incorporating all these other sounds. And I feel like they really wanted them to like, Come on, stick to the basics, guys. You know, no one wants to hear you experience. You know, let's just make a rock steady album, you know. And I think they do jazz it up a good bit on mm-hmm. this album, especially with the trumpet incorporation. Now, I couldn't find in the liner notes who played the trumpet. The Fishman's Wiki has been very helpful, by the way. Check that out if you want more information on the Fishman's or Fishman's as a group. But I really like the trumpet incorporation on this album a lot. Yeah. And to be fair, Rock City, Ska, Reggae, they all traditionally had horn sections, especially in the early days, but it's still a good, important thing to have. Yeah, and, they, they, and they, they bounce around a little bit on this album. For the most part, it's pretty straightforward, rock steady music, but uh, there's a couple of standout tracks that step away from that genre quite a bit, like especially mm-hmm. the closer uh, piano, piano yep. and uh, the song uh, Inago Ga Tondaru. That song also steps away from reggae a bit and, and rock steady and gets a little more into like a poppy, like almost like folksy kind of sound a little bit. Very is, upbeat. Yeah, it is actually one of my favorite tracks. Oh, yeah. Album. No, that, this, that was a big standout for me. Now, I I will say I do personally think this is the weakest Fishman's record, and I will get into why as we go through the album. But let's go ahead and start with the first track, Hikari Ke Tata Futari. Though I want to give a disclaimer as the Fishman's a, a, a newcomer to Fishman's which some of you might be after after you know listening to this and checking this out and whatnot so the Fishman's are incredibly consistent and almost to the fact that that their albums are a little bit laid out like this there are some you know orange or long season that have more consistency but even their worst albums really kind of go like there's two or three great songs that just kill it then there's like two or three pretty good songs. There's like a song or two that's just forgettable. And then there's, for me, there's always this one song that I don't like. And that's all, that's not really because of the band. It's always because of 
that's the song that Shinji Sato decides to get really high pitched and like squeak squealy on mm-hmm. that I don't like. I know exactly which one you're talking Sa- about. Sato has a tendency to experiment with his vocals, which I do appreciate because I think Sato is a very, very distinct singer. There aren't mm-hmm. too many singers that I can think of that sound like Sato. But uh there are times where I think he goes into territory that just uh, doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the end of future. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, That's where cool. where I will disagree with you, and we are jumping ahead a little bit, is I actually think Smile and Day Summer Day Holidays is a banger, and Sato does get into that weird like harmonic, don't like, like high pitched range, but mm. that that is a great song. That is a banger. All the little poppy Shibuya K like elevator music style shit that they were doing at that point in their career, kind of like coming together. Now, where I will disagree with you is I do think they are consistent, but I think when you get past Orange, it starts to just, like, skyrocket in terms of quality. I can't wait for you guys to listen to their later material. But anyway, let's get back to Chappie Don't Cry. Now, the first track. I was mostly unimpressed by this one. I I remember the first time I listened to this album, it was a bit underwhelming, and I did not... I kind of wrote it off, if if I'm being honest with you guys, but I came back to it for this review... Uh, listened to it a few times, and I'll say I, you know, I think it's a solid, rock steady song. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's a decent opener. You know, there's a good, nice, you know, offbeat pattern that we were talking about that you know reggae, all reggae styles incorporate, and it's easy to listen to. It's pleasant when it's on. There's not really much else you can say about it. A solid rock steady song, solid groove, solid little accents and stuff that from the bass player that I enjoy very much. It's really just, it sets the standard, the tone for the rest of the album, I think. And it's a, it's a good opener in that way. And this is for the whole album, really. But what really impressed me the most about it is the tone and sound of the bass. Yes. It is so fucking fat. And I just, I love it so much. And it is perfect for this kind of genre. As much as I didn't really care for the original producer, he knew how to mix Rocksteady. He, yeah. he knew what to focus on. And yeah. I will say that is one of the biggest compliments I can give this album. It is, it is a very clean mix, very cleanly produced. I feel like this kind of reggae has to really have two things. It either has to have a super solid hook or it needs to have a lot of solos and fills by other instruments. And the first song, while... I wouldn't say it's like a bad song. It is on the more forgettable side because it doesn't really have either. My thoughts on this album are overall positive. I just felt like I I wanted more. I just wanted more. I I want more soloing. I want more horns. And a lot of what the first track doesn't do, the second track does do. Yeah, Hikoki, my favorite part about that track is definitely the guitar solo. And I, I want more. I was like, why isn't this in more? I'm like, this is, Hikoki is like the, the epitome of what the rest of these songs like should have. Well, you also got to think, Rocksteady is not a genre about that kind of thing. If you had a lot of that or too much of that in the songs, it wouldn't really be faithful to Rocksteady itself. It's, you got to think of it like, kind of like house music. It's not meant to have all this crazy experimental shit. It's not supposed to have all the the flair and the soloing and everything. It's supposed to just be a, a groove, a vibe, a feeling. Well, yeah, but you, 
this is really in the place for, you know, a really good hook. But if it doesn't have a hook, then it has to have this. If it doesn't have one, it should have the other. And if it has neither, it's just boring. Yeah, I kind of felt yeah. myself tuning out to a few of these songs. I won't lie to you, but um, there, I I found myself enjoying the parts where they did mix it up, you know, outside of the traditional boundaries of reggae and rocksteady. And and I appreciate they were they were trying to make like a faithful rocksteady album, but where I think Fishman's where they succeed is by blending and fusing that dub sound, that rocksteady sound with other genres of music that style it never leaves them the only time it leaves them is maybe on long season or a little bit on um coochie camp but the rest of their music all has that reggae dub backbone but they do a lot more with it than they did on this album so the thing is that it is a genre that begs and asks for you to put your own flavor to put your own spin on it to blend it with other things to give more than what it presents, because the thing, if you wanted to do it really basic and really bare bones and really get into the mineral truth of the genre, you have a ra- you better know what you're doing because you have a razor thin margin to walk. And if you don't, if you don't, you will have people tuning out. You know, that's like some very slow jazz. You have a thin line to walk. If you do not know what you're doing and you don't really try your best and really lay it all out there, then you will have people just saying, "Don't care." Now, yeah. I do think this album is pretty faithful to the style. It is. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, and, and I think they do a tasteful job of paying homage to the sound that inspired them. I just think they didn't do enough. That, that is my biggest issue with this album. But there are positives here. That's not to say that we're writing off this whole album as just, you know, some boring, straightforward reggae. There is hints of stuff that they would do later on. I think that's especially apparent in the track Future. Very long, lengthy kind of drawn out spacey cuts, you know, future kind of dips its toes into psychedelic a little bit. The song for the first half just drags, man. Well, I just think reggae as a genre is just ripe for sonic experimentation, like psychedelic and especially like delay and echo. It does a really, really good job at showing Fishman's ability. And now this is a positive thing in my opinion. It really does a good job of showing the Fishman's ability to create space with with their music. I agree. That is so, so important and often overlooked. Space really gives the music room to breathe. And I know that's a little ambiguous, but if you really listen to it, you'll kind of get what I'm meaning. It's especially important for this kind of genre and a lot of other genres when it comes to like the kind of elevator or lounge music or just kind of the slow dance music. It really needs that space to breathe and ma- make you really feel the, the groove, the vibe, the flow of it. Well, I agree with you. I think Future does leave a lot to be desired in the beginning. I think it really starts to pick up in the second half. Also, there is something that Garrett did bring up is that the vocals dumpster the track a little bit. Future. <laughs> It's so, it, it's very frustrating when you have a song. And really, the only problem with it is that it just needs to be cut down a little bit because it's like, man, I, I could mean, just, I would take like a minute off. I could do that in the studio, and like, it's so easy, it's so close. You know, you're just like, oh, it's so close. You know? <laughs> just have it fade out around the seven minute, six or seven minute mark. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Fishman's is no stranger to space. You are definitely right about that, James. 
because especially on their later albums, you know, like Long Season, Uchuna Pond Setagaya, they have, you know, eight to 13 minute tracks, but the feeling, the the atmosphere, the vibe is just there. And they're really good at establishing that floaty presence that would permeate most of their discography. I will say that I really appreciate the the imperfection of the sound of the album and of the performances. Imperfection is, is something I look for in music because I want it to have that human element to it. That being said, he takes it a little too far. <laughs> he he brings it to a point where it just sounds like he's bringing it to a point that it's just wailing and it did not it's very dissonant to my ears. And it, it sounds like it's me. it sounds like it is a step to falsetto but it's not really. On the border I'm just like bro just go just go falsetto like stop pushing it like just 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 go there. Yeah, just bring it to your head voice. Yeah, and eventually I I do think his singing gets like significantly better. Oh, it does. Yeah, like significantly better. But, you know, starting out, I still think he's a solid vocalist. It's just sometimes they take his vocals in a direction that uh, just it doesn't I don't care for. No, he's definitely an awesome singer. But yeah, when he pushes it too high like that, too far, just on the first three (laughs) albums, there is one song that he does vocal experimentation on that I do not care for on this one, Kingmaster George, and Neo Yankees. But yeah, now to step back to the previous track before a couple tracks back, but Good Morning. And this is where they start to spice it up a little bit when, with that intro. You start to get a really like spicy, like upbeat, you know, kind of riff, organy synths. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. yeah, you start to get some life and some flavor into these Rocksteady tracks. And I, yeah. I really like Good Morning for that reason. Is that mm-hmm. keyboard-driven reggae-esque vibe? I was like the whole like, like the like the ace of bass and like all those bands from like you know late eighties early nineties would do it kind of has that you know little little bounciness like pop flavor to it I enjoy that and you could argue that it's more of a ska song than a yes this yeah. one you know yeah it's more upbeat it's definitely faster tempo I think it's a great song so it's one of my favorites on the record but um when we get to the second half was where I think the album really picks up on the track after future um Inagoga Tondaru. I love that song. Same. It's Same. it's actually become one of my favorite Fishman songs. And I kind of forgot about it until I went back and did this re-listen. You know, I listened to it a few times. It kind of sounds like the the Shibuya K stuff they would do on Kingmaster George and Neo Yankees. Yeah, you start to get early flavors of that. What I've always found really fascinating about Fishman's is they have this knack for not only like space, but also making really, really, really earwormy melodies. They're great hook writers. They they have this poppy flavor to them that makes them very accessible even if they are doing a lot of weird stuff that track go go club another banger great song that and good morning those are my those are my two tracks i'd say were my favorite it sounds like someone has an isolated track of them playing a steel drum on it somewhere that just got left off the album because i could really see that and some other of these tracks, I could see like a steel drum to make it like really island, like really Caribbean. Yeah, definitely a little bit of a tropical feel. Yeah, I feel like we're kind of rushing through it, but it's pretty straightforward. I mean, you can get hints of what they would do later on, but this is probably their most straightforward and least conceptual record in their discography. And I'm of the opinion there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, it's not a problem. It feels a little underwhelming in comparison. There are positives like i actually really really enjoy the closer piano piano is my number one track on the album 
even though it's the only one that's not even really a reggae song at all, reggae or rock steady or ska yeah, or any of it. It's basically it's, just a lounge jazz it's track. A, it's a nice lounge jazz track. But the main thing that got me was that piano intro. Oh, yeah. It was so, like, bluesy. It yeah. was so nice and just, it f- gave you this feeling. It You could feel the emotion coming from the fingers. Yeah, yeah. Hakusei Sun, great keyboard player. I, I really like him a lot, and I think he gave a lot of their uh, early records a good bit of character. The one song that I didn't really care, I won't really say I didn't care for it, I was just kind of like, I sleep, was uh, Natsu. We're going to butcher all of these, but I'll try my best. Natsu no Omoide. Yes, that one is the one I kind of was like. It was there. I mean, it's it basically just a transition track. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, into the B-side. I like the trumpet part on it, but. It's just kind of on. I just want, I want more horns. I want more. I guess it's a good foundation, but you're just left wanting more. You're like, oh, I want more of that element. I want more of this element. I want more of that. And then later on, they do. This was clearly their formative years, their development stage. And it is cool to see how they started and where they would go. I bet the producer and all the people that were helping them make this album, they saw all the cuts that you know were on Blue Summer and that it was going to get released under Shinji Sato's name. So I wonder if they just collectively had the idea, like, okay, let's make this track very straightforward, you know, very rock, simple, rock steady, and let's, you know, have Shinji be the focus. Well, I feel like the the keyboards and guitar should be a little bit more prominent, as well as more horns and other yeah. stylistic choices. But I feel like they should be more prominent. I feel like they wanted to make this album kind of, you know, just the Shinji Sato show. Bishman's is more of a, an experience, you know, it's more of the band. It's not just the, you know, the Shinji experience, you know? Yeah. And, and Shinji was definitely a big creative force in the band throughout their entire career. But we also haven't really gotten to the producer after Kodama, who really, really had an influence on their sound for the rest of their career, which was uh, Zach. So Zach would join them after Chappie Don't Cry during their live performances, and he would eventually become their main producer and kind of a unofficial member of the band. The George Martin, the Nigel Godrich, the, you know, the Brian Eno, that level of director, that they are more than just, oh yeah, you know, let's do it like this, moving some instrument. They are, they become, you know, part of the experience. They become part of the band. They have more than just just saying, hey, let's do this, let's do that. You know, that sounds good. They're giving creative input. Yeah, and, and Zach had a huge part to play in the experimental direction that they would take later on. I mean, and, and Zach, I think he left after long season, I want to say. I don't remember exactly. We'll, we'll fact check that later. He had a huge influence on Sato. Even though it's the start, I don't know if I'd recommend this as the first Fishman's album no. to start off with. This is the Fishman's album you come back to after you've listened to Orange or Kuchu mm-hmm. Camp or even, you know, Uchinapan Setagaya. Like, if you want to see how they developed, I would not recommend this as the starting Fishman's album because it is not representative of what they would do later. However, if you are just a fan of the genre in general, rock city, ska, reggae, even kind of a loungy jazz sound, highly recommend going with this album. Yeah, this isn't like a tough listen or anything. It's it's a vibe. You know, it was it's, a very it's easy listen. Very pleasant when it's on. You know, I wouldn't say it's an amazing record or anything like that, but I think it's solid and I think it lays the foundation. I don't have too much to say about it beyond that. So I'm just gonna go ahead and throw out my rating. I think it is a solid six out of ten. 
I personally believe it's the weakest record in their discography, but it's still not bad. I would agree. However, I would give it a little higher. I would give it a six and a half. And it's weird because I wouldn't rate it higher than King Master George, but I feel like it's an easier listen than King Master George. Does that make sense? I can agree with that. Being just a passive listener to it was a little bit more enjoyable than King Master because I'm kind of just bouncing along to it. Still very solid. The first four Fishman's records, or, or should I say that, they're, they're all very, very, very consistent, and they're all very solid. The Fishman's got exponentially better as they went along. Yeah, yeah, this is just the beginning. So if you're interested in experiencing the group as they developed, I would definitely start with this album and, you know, maybe as to follow along with this little deep dive journey that we're doing. But if I were to just raw recommend a Fishman's project to somebody, it would not be this one. Yeah, Orange or Neo Yankees is where I'd start. I feel a little more positive about this album than you guys, just a little bit. But despite my slight misgivings with it at some points, like the, the vocals in certain songs being a little too much, while I do mostly like the production there are some places where it's a little too clean like primarily the drums i think the drums are a little too compressed he puts a bit of reverb on it and stuff to give it kind of that rock city or reggae vibe but i feel like the drums especially for this genre need to be more raw you need to hear the ring from the snare and the stuff there's some points that you do but it's mainly the snare sound and the cymbals they don't they don't sound good to me besides that it's a solid solid record with a nice fat bass sound and everything just fits in together perfectly the performances are mostly wonderful generally like you guys said it's an easy experience it's also a a delightful experience good to listen to and it's even better to dance and and vibe to so i would give this album a seven you know if this came on i'd be i'd be vibing around like a goofy moron as most of Fishman's early music makes you do. Yes. <laughs> I certainly was. I can't wait to go through this journey of the rest of their discography with you guys. Not only you guys, but you, the listener, as well. So, yeah, with that being said, any final thoughts on Fishman's Chappie Don't Cry? I'm good. With that being said, this is Off the Key Podcast, and you're listening to Deep Dives. Thanks, guys. See you later. music also check out our link tree for where to follow us we are on instagram and facebook and a variety of streaming platforms and if you could give us a sub or a listen or even a follow it'd be greatly appreciated thanks guys see you later